0: to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church.
1: Well, good morning, morning. How's everyone doing? And welcome to everyone joining us online. Hey, everyone here in the room, give a shout out to everyone online. Let them know that we are so thrilled they're with us. Hey, hey, hey! Good to have you all with us. Hey, some exciting things ahead. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so pumped for this fall. And I know that that sounds weird because a lot of people are like, I'm so nervous about this fall. But I'm just, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about how we're heading into it here in, over the next three weeks. We are not going to be here on Sunday morning. We are going to be over uh, in Delavan in Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Park in the band shelves for, for the next three weeks, 10 a.m., One service, everyone together, bring your lawn chairs, it'll be awesome. It's great for families as well, so families who are watching at home, join us in person. they got a playground there and we'll have activities for the kids. So all that's going down. Next three weekends in a row, okay? So where are you going to be? Not here, but there. Everyone who can't make it uh, will still be live streaming on Facebook Live. That's where you're going to want to catch the service. And of course, if you're unavailable at 10 a.m. on Sunday, you can always re-watch it at some point later in the week during a rebroadcast or something like that. Also, I'm really excited. Because we've got some uh, really cool kind of momentum building around our backpack give back. So we our goal is to collect 500 backpacks to give to uh, families and kids over in the Delavan-Darien School District. And here's what's really cool: is they sent out uh, the the school district sent out an email to all the families there, saying, "Hey, a local church is wanting to partner with us. Uh, they want to gather 500 backpacks in the first two hours." They already had responses back from over 100 people saying, "We need that. We need that. We need that." And so uh, I have no doubt that they're going to need all 500. And so here's what I, I'm asking of all of us. Us is contribute in one of two ways, and so text the word impact. Grab your phones if you didn't do this this week or this past week. Text the word impact and the number on the screen, and you'll get the two links basically of how you can partner with us. Either you can give if you're like I don't have time to fill a backpack, you can give, and we'll buy backpacks on your behalf to go to these families. Or if you're like I love this idea of like packing my own bag and distribute, you know, giving it that. Uh, you can do that and bring it next week to the park, or you can drop it off anytime throughout the week here. Um, but here's what's so cool about this. This is actually really kind of the tip of the iceberg. We also have, uh, we're partnering with local businesses to provide also for those families free jeans, free shoes, free haircuts, meals. I mean, all this stuff. There's a palette of jeans back in the office right now. And uh, this is just so cool, the way that uh, kind of the community is rallying and uh, how we're serving families. And so you're a part of that. Can we we do this? I believe we can do this. So text the word impact to that number and be a part of making an impact uh, in the community. It's just gonna be so fun to see how many families we impact there. All right, today we're continuing in this series. Summer play, actually, we're finishing the series. Summer playlist, wah, wah, wah. Uh, and we're finishing with probably my favorite song of this whole thing. But let me just start by asking you a question. Have you ever seen somebody who goes, who does this, they're like, hey, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? And they're on their head. Some of you are giggling because you're like, that's me. Uh, or, or maybe even like a, a kid or someone who's, who they're like, hey, we can leave as soon as I find my keys. Where? Just let, help me look. Everyone help me. And I've done this, where I'm like holding them in my hand like this. I'm like, help me find my keys. And, uh, and it's right there. And here's the deal. The, the subject of what we're talking about today, this is something that spiritually, for those who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have something that's in your hands that probably most of us have no clue what this actually means. The keys that we have access to and what we're holding that most of us have really not fully embraced or wrapped our head around. And so I'm excited to kind of jump into that subject today. Uh, but to set up the song, give me a, this is our final drum roll to, to share the song. Everyone here in the room, everyone at home, drum roll, final song is. Champion by Bethel Worship. Trust me, you're going to want to add this to your playlist by the end of today. It is so good. Uh, but here's one of our worship team members talking about the song, what it means to him, and then we'll dive into the word.
0: Hey, Lakeland. My name's Jason. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing a song called Champion by Bethel. And I'm sure you've heard the song. If you have it, you've got to listen to it. It's a great song. Uh, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things uh, that, that uh, hit me when I listened to this song, particularly some of the lyrics. Uh, there's one piece that says, uh, you crown me with confidence and let all the striving cease. And so what that means to me is, uh, you know, there have been so many times in my life, uh, personally, professionally, whatever it may be, that uh, I wasn't quite confident, I felt hopeless, helpless, Uh, didn't know where to turn, and sure enough, there's God, you know. So uh, hopefully this comes across to you the same way as it does me, Uh, but uh, definitely check out the song. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you uh, get some of the same uh, benefits uh, from the lyrics as I do.
1: Let me read some of the other lyrics to you. I love this. I've tried so hard to see it, It took me so long to believe it, that you'd choose someone like me, listen to this, to carry your victory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I'm seated in the heavenly places, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Now this is like, I, I would call this actually a very theologically heavy song Uh, The song is about him being the champion, how he gives us his victory and the authority that he's given us to carry his victory. Now, let me just ask you and start with a kind of a question. If God were to walk in your shoes this week, okay, God's going to experience everything that you're going to experience this week. Here's here's the question. Do you think that God can handle every hurdle that you're going to face this week? Do you think it's going to throw him? Most of you are like, no, I think he can handle it. Now, now, here's the kind of that follow-up question. Is the fact that we think he can handle it, does that translate to you and I at all? Does it? Uh, and so here's what we're going to be looking at is, does his victory and his victorious position – how, how does that impact us? So here's what we're going to do. If you're gonna, following your Bibles, I want you to earmark some places. We're going to start in Ephesians 1, and we're going to hop over to Revelation 5, and then we're going to go back to Ephesians 2, okay? So we're going to start in Ephesians 1. Here's why we're starting there. Is I want you to see Christ's position right now, like how he handles perhaps life on a daily basis or where he's at right now, okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 22 And this is the Apostle Paul, he's praying actually for Christians. He's praying for the church, that they would kind of understand some things. And he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you a spirit, capital S, so the Holy Spirit is going to help unlock some things for them. Two things, wisdom and revelation. Revelation literally means to lift the veil. So he's saying, I pray that you have this, that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom And this lifting of the veil so that you might know him better, okay? So that you're going to just understand who God is better. Continue on. He goes on to say this, I pray, once again, continued prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. What does that mean? He's saying, "I, I pray that your heart, that you have kind of this aha moment, this enlightening that you would see something that you've never quite seen before, in order that you would know three things he's gonna to point to. That you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power. I want you to say these last four words, all of us say them loud, say it proud, for us who believe. For who? For us who believe. For who? For us who believe. What are the three things that he wants us to have in an aha moment? in our lives about. He wants us to have an aha moment around the hope that you have, the, the, to which he's called the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power. So he wants you to have an aha moment around these three things. Now let me just, uh, and who's it for again? For us who believe. Now, this was just kind of an, a little aha moment that I had. Are you aware that this is for us who believe Now. This is for us who believe now, while you're on earth. Are you aware that these three things don't apply when you get to heaven? You will need no hope because you will be with him. You need not your, the inheritance because you have it. There's nothing that you're going like to get excited about. It, it's yours. And his power, you, you won't need to express, see his power expressed in your life now or, or then because it's, it's all there. Are, are you aware? These things exist for us who believe now. This is why when, even when he says faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love in scripture, I've made the argument that the reason why I say the greatest is love is between faith, hope, and love, love is the only one that makes it into eternity. Be, because you will need not faith at that point because it will all be revealed and seen, and you need not hope because you're in it. Are, are you getting this? Okay, so these things, we access these things now and then he's going to express, here's what that power looks like that you have access to now. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted, God exerted, when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion continues on, and every name that's invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Wow. So so he goes, listen, this is what I want you to understand. I want you to have this aha moment of the hope that you can have, the inheritance you have access to, and the power you have access to. And he goes, and P.S., you want to know what the power looks like? The power looks like the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And I always picture it like this. I know it's kind of a weird picture, but I picture like Jesus busting out of the grave, accelerating through, through the atmosphere, catching his body on the way. I know he lived on earth for like 40 days before he ascended to heaven. But then ascending to heaven, accelerating through the atmosphere, being seated at the right hand of the Father. And from that position, then God says, and now you're going to rule over all dominion, power, authority, over every name. You're the head over everything for the church. That's Christ's position. So now question. I want you to picture Christ, where he's at right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name. Everyone got that kind of picture of Christ? That's where he's at right now. Now, question. Things are kind of crazy right now in life, right? It's a little chaotic, a little nutty. Most of us would agree. Question. You got that picture of Christ? Does Christ look worried? Is Christ worried? Does Christ look uncertain? Does Christ look out of control? Does he look overwhelmed? Okay, so we got this picture of Christ ruling in heaven. He's calm, he's collected, he has authority over everything. God's placed everything under his feet. Uh, He has power over everything. And his prayer is that he wants us to understand, have kind of this enlightening moment around the hope that we have, the inheritance we have, and that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And now, so with this kind of picture of where Christ is at and what he wants us to understand, hop to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 is a picture of the throne room of God. Chapter 4 is a picture of God the Father. Okay, so you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. And God the Father, sometimes we picture God the Father maybe as like, the Monty Python God the Father. He peeks out behind, from behind the clouds. He got, he's got a big beard and he's angry and yelling at people, right? Sometimes people picture God that way. Well, here it actually gives us an image that God is not like embodied. He is actually embodied in light. He uses all this light to describe him. He is spirit. He's on this throne. In, in this picture in Revelation chapter 4, you got these four living creatures. You got angels and elders that are worshiping and all day. They're just calling out, holy, holy, holy is God. God Almighty. So then, in Revelation chapter five, we have once again continued picture of the throne room of God, but now we're going to see Jesus in the throne room. And uh, in Revelation, this is kind of the end times, and um, and what is actually there's there's sadness in heaven because there's something that has to happen to kind of enter into the end times. These scrolls have to be opened. And so uh, John, who's seeing this image, is sad because he's like, how will the end come? And uh, by the way, I I do have to say this. I'm really excited. In seven weeks, I'm going to launch into a series. I never thought I'd do this, but on the end times, because everyone's like asking, hey, are we in the end times? I think And there are some things that we can look at Scripture to help us, like, understand here's what the end times look like, and uh, so we're going to be diving into that in in a handful of weeks. Don't worry. Someone asked me after last night, they're like, is that going to be like a two-year series going through the book of Revelation? I'm like, no, 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 no. It'll just be a handful of weeks, but it'll help us kind of wrap our heads around what does the end actually look like? And so, um, anyhow, the book of Revelation. So this is Revelation chapter 5. This is Jesus, and... uh, This is what one of the elders said to me, being John, who's seeing this image. Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. He's able to open the scrolls and the seven seals. And then, and then he's going to see it. Continue on, next slide. next slide. It says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. So we just sang the song earlier, Lion in the Lamb. This is taken right out of Revelation, right here, Revelation chapter 5. The He's referred to as the Lion of Judah because he comes from the tribe of Judah, and that was actually the symbol of the tribe of Judah. And a line is victorious of the root of David because he came from the line of David. And then when, it's interesting, then John looks at it, he's like, 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 where is this lion? And he sees a lamb that was slain. That's what Jesus is, it looks like, like, because he's the lamb, the sacrificial lamb who took our sins upon himself at the cross, okay? And uh, he's standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Now, we're gonna hop down to verse nine because this is so fascinating uh, what's happening around this picture. And they, being all these elders and angels, uh, Are, and, and are singing, and they sang. Now check this out—a new song. This is interesting, okay? This, this is fascinating. They've been singing for just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. The song, holy, 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 and all of a sudden there's a new song. Whoa! Some angel just dropped a new, a new song. Have you heard it? Did you download it? What's the new song? And what ushered in a new song in heaven? They're going to point to what ushered in a new song, and what ushers in the new song is the cross. That's what releases a whole new song in heaven, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. He's pointing to the cross. And with your blood, you purchased for God, and it goes on, peoples, well, it's coming, persons, from every tribe and language and people and nation. So up to so now he says listen this is the new song it's been released in heaven because of what you did you purchased people you paid for their lives at the cross and now the second half of the song is going to declare purpose over those people who have been redeemed you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth isn't this crazy a new song is released in heaven and what's it all about Jesus is worthy because he laid down his life for, for these people, for humanity, and it declares humanity's new purpose. That's what they're singing about. Yours and my purpose. That becomes a part of the song. Isn't that crazy? And our purpose is that we are made to be royalty, And priests to reign. So he mentions two ideas here. A kingdom. A kingdom has a king and has royal subjects, right? So he's talking about royalty. And then a priest serves God directly. And that's how we can enter into a relationship with God directly. And... This isn't the only time that we're referred to as royalty and priests. Actually, First Peter chapter two, verse nine, also describes us this way. It says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So it's not a new concept. But what's the point? The point is we're royalty. We're priests. We exist with an ultimate purpose, which is to reign on earth, on behalf of the King of Kings, on behalf of His kingdom. So now, this is your present reality, but it's also a future reality. How do those two things coincide? How can be a present reality and a future reality? Picture it a little bit like this. If any of you have ever become parents, or if you're a parent, you you get this a little bit. Uh, There comes a day when when, uh, all of a sudden you'll see or someone throws at you, this happened to me a couple times, literally thrown at me, a pregnancy test with two little lines on it. Now now you could say, uh, "What day do you become a parent? You could say on the day that the child is born, but I would argue you become a parent on the, <laughs> on the day that that child 's conceived you know, like you 're technically a, a mother and a father at, at that point when the, when the child is conceived that 's when you 're a parent so then what what 's going on though is that over the next nine months you 're actually kind of preparing for the day that the baby will arrive right You, you, you start actually prepping in your identity that you actually already are, but you're prepping for that day. For the next nine months, you're prepping for that kind of the completion moment when the baby actually arrives, and you're painting the nursery, and you're buying supplies, and you have baby showers, and the mom's body even already starts to change in preparation for this baby's arrival, right? All these things start to happen because you're actually living in the identity that is gonna come to completion, but you're starting to live in it right now. Are you alive? Are you getting this? So people would probably think you're crazy or foolish if uh, they saw maybe a a lady who's like just about ready to give birth. She's like out to here. And you go, oh, when's the baby due? And they're like, oh, it's like any day now. Are you guys ready? Have you prepped the room? Do you got your supplies? Nope. Like that would be great. What? Nope. We're just going to see what happens. (laughs) You'd be like, hold on. You're You're going to have a baby, right? And and you start prepping because you're living in the identity that is coming to complete fruition. In the same way, there's a new song in heaven of a declaration of your royalty, your priesthood, and you're being made to reign on earth. And I would say, yes, there will be a day that that comes to full completion, but we start actually living in our identity as royalty and as priests as those reigning on earth now. So let me kind of put it all together. You got Ephesians 1, where Christ is seated. You got Revelation, which declares this new song. A song over our, kind of our purpose and our identity, made to rule and reign and all that. And you're like, how is it even possible? So Ephesians chapter 2 is going to help us connect the dots on how it's possible for us to live our future identity now. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says this. But because of his great love for us, God's great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Now pause, up to this moment, everyone probably can read that and be like, yeah, that's, that's a good description of what it looks like when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time. You'd say, "He, he just' it was His great love for us. He's so rich in mercy. He made me, it's crazy, he made me alive with Christ even when i was dead in my sin and in my transgressions it was completely grace that saved me and then he raised me up with Christ like i was i went from death spiritually dead to spiritually alive victory in areas of my life is all now up to this point most of us can relate to this but then the very next line is a part of the whole process and it says this and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, drop the mic. What? See, up to that moment, most of us are like, "Yeah, that all makes sense." I was Christ brought me spiritually, made me from death to life. He's just a rich in mercy and grace. But then it goes, and then He seated me with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, and for a purpose. What's the purpose? That in order that in the coming ages. When are the coming ages? When Paul wrote that, the coming ages are now. So, that sometime in the future. People would be able to see something. What would they see? That they would see how he shows his incomparable riches of his grace. Grace literally means his gifts. How 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 kind he is to us, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So so this is like Just bizarre because most of us could go, okay, I understand the first part, but then all of a sudden it says we're seated past tense with him in the heavenly realms. And yet I would argue it's this reality that makes everything possible, that new song possible for us to start living in that that identity now. It's because we're seated with him past tense in the heavenly realms right now. And I know some of you are like, how's that possible? Because I'm just sitting in this tan chair here in the auditorium, or I'm sitting at home on my couch. I don't feel like I'm in the heavenly realms, and yet that's how God sees me. And so like to help connect these dots, here's what I've got. I've got some of the worship team uh, members. They're going to come on out. They're going to help me with a little illustration. While they come on out, let me talk to you just really briefly about God is outside of time. You've got to wrap your head around this, okay? God is outside of time. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this, he chose us, meaning he was choosing religion, relationship with humanity when? Before the creation of the world. Before he created the world, he was actually longing for relationship with you. Uh, yeah, Psalm 139 verse 9. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. Verse 16, same chapter. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Before it was made, he saw it. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Me, He knows how long your life is going to be. Are you aware? He knows how long your life is going to be. All those days are written. You can't subtract one, you can't add one. Coronavirus, guess what? If it's going to take you out, it's going to take you out. Can't change it. No point in worrying about it either because Matthew chapter 6 verse 27, Jesus said this, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, you can't add an hour. You can't subtract an hour. All the days are ordained, okay? He sees all the time. Second Peter 3.8, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand days and a thousand days is like, or a thousand years, and a thousand years is like, sorry, I'm, I'm, I should really read the scripture. <laughs> with the day, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Some of you are like, man, it's been a really long 24 hours. God's like, you ain't seen nothing yet, <laughs> I've had some long days and so, but everything is just a big time mesh for him. Okay? So he's seen your end, he's seen your beginning, he's seen the whole thing. He lives outside of time. He knows your past, present, future, and I know it sounds weird. While we live in the present, he can't help but see all of time at once. He just sees all of time at once. So, here's what I'm, I'm going to do. With my with my volunteers here, let's look at Kind of chronologically, just as an example, uh, the journey that many people will take spiritually, okay, in, in their life. Kind of a spiritual journey uh, with Jesus, okay? So we're going to start with Mike down here. Sorry about this. You get the, uh, the heart that's filled with sin and darkness, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> But don't feel bad. You all started there. This is where, and, and apart from Christ, this is actually where you still are. If you've never trusted Jesus, you, it, it, Scripture says this, for, for all have sinned. All have fallen short of God's righteousness. And so this is our heart. It's actually filled with darkness and sin. And then uh, what happens for many of us, because God longs for relationship with you, is that when you trust Jesus, he wipes away all your sin. He makes you clean. He, he says, I'm going to lay down my life for you at the cross. And then what he does is this bizarre transaction that happens in the spiritual realm where he says, I'll take all of your sin upon myself and, upon, and all your punishment at the cross, and I will give you what I have, which is perfection, which is holiness and righteousness, and he bestows that upon us, okay? Okay? So then from there all, all of us are like sweet that's awesome that's great but then then here's my next heart this is the one life happens Okay, life happens and this heart has kind of genes and a tear and blood and bandages. And, and it's like life happens and there's wounding in life and relationships sometimes hurt. And maybe even take some things out on God. Maybe you have addictions that you struggle with and, and falter into. Maybe you even doubt God's existence. You walk away from him maybe for, for a period of your life and you go, this is just the, it, this is how my life feels. And for some of you, this is how your heart feels. You actually go, I feel far from him. I feel messed up. I feel so broken. And so that's where you might be like, that's, sure where I was this is how I feel I am but then there's this day where someday this is my fourth heart it's gold and it's perfection and this is your heart in heaven when everything is healed and right and scripture says there'll be no more tears and no more sadness and everything is healed and right and so here's what we do these are plexiglass obviously you can see that you can see through them and we have a tendency to see our life like maybe even a spiritual journey chronologically right right We look at it this way. But I want you guys all to turn this a little bit. Jesus looks at time simultaneously. He looks at it this direction, not that direction. And what he does is he goes, I look at your life through the completed picture of who you are in Christ. And he does this. Bam. And he goes, this is how I see you. This is how I, I approach everything. I just got a cut from the plexiglass. Oh man, it's not the first time I've bled on stage, okay? Give it up for my volunteers. <laughs> but he looks at at where you are today through the completed lens, your most completed self in Christ Jesus. It's your kingdom identity. And he says, I want you to view your current reality through your future reality. How many of you have a tendency to uh, define your present from your past? Right? You say, this is all the sin, all my baggage, all my stuff, and you define your present through your past, and yet God happens to do the opposite. He defines your present through your future. He says, I want you to approach everything in your life through, I just want to make sure I'm not bleeding and dripping, okay, uh, through your future reality and how I see you. So, so let's just kind of take this and make it real practical and personal right now. Think about, uh, let, let's take emotions, Any of you ever struggle with fear, anger, anxiety, things like that? So so you might say, this is how my heart feels. I feel like, I mean, I've been wounded in life, and so there's things in my life that I just feel like I constantly am struggling with anger or fear or anxiety and things like that, and he goes, I want you, and this might be how you feel, but he goes, I want you to approach the solution from how I see you. And once again, when I ask the question, "Is, is God angry, is God fearful, is God anxious? And you go, no, okay, so you're seated with him, and you have the same uh, everything that he has. You have the inheritance, you have the hope, and you have the power, the same power that God used. Then when he exerted, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him above everything, he goes, that's yours to approach and handle your fear this week. Are you getting this? That is yours. That is, you have full access to it. That's how you handle and you approach your addiction this week. So uh, what, what else? It, it could be how... A problem you're struggling with, a work issue, a relational issue, a deadline issue, a legal issue. You're like, how am I going to solve this? I feel overwhelmed. I feel, and he goes, hey, I want you to approach it from this perspective. If this week, I asked at the very beginning, how do you think God would handle your week if he were walking in your shoes? Really, that, that question, we all answered by saying God can handle it. But that question, I asked to help you understand how you're actually supposed to handle everything this week. How you're designed, how you're hardwired, how God sees you and who you are. It's not, well, someday I'll be this. Jesus says, no, that someday is today. You have access to it right now. It changes everything. It changes every temptation you're going to face. It it changes every hurdle that you're going to encounter. It changes every relationship issue that you're going to come in in contact with. It changes everything to know that this is my perspective for life, seated with him in the heavenly realms. Are you alive? Are you getting this? All right, let me pray for you. The worship team is going to come on out, sing this amazing song. It's going to uh, become a part of your playlist, trust me. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I imagine there might be some in this room even who recognize maybe they would call their heart spiritually filled with darkness still. Maybe they've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. And today maybe is the day that they say, all right, I'm going to trust that Jesus took all my sin upon himself at the cross so that he could give me a clean and pure heart, that he would wipe all my sin away and that he would bestow upon me righteousness. And that could be through a real real simple prayer like this. Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner and I thank you that you sent your son to lay down his life for me at the cross. I put my faith in what Jesus did for me at the cross and I ask that you would wipe me clean of all my sin, that you would make me pure and righteous in your eyes. You'd place your spirit in me and that I would come alive fully. And as we continue praying, I imagine that there's so many of us that we actually have been looking at life through that kind of that third heart, that heart with so many wounds and so much pain upon it. And we approach life going, I'm gonna, God's gonna walk with me in the midst of all this pain. And yet you would say, yes, I'll walk with you, but I want you to apply the victory that I've already won for you. I want you to apply the the reality that I'm the champion. I've made you to be a champion as well. Victorious in everything we face this, this week, this month, this year. We thank you, Lord, for that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting Lakeland.church forward slash give.